This is Film Slab. Welcome to the show. Hey, Slubs. Welcome back to Film Slab. This is episode 27. Patrick is out of town today, so I'm going to be doing the next few episodes with some guests. Uh, we sat on our Kevin Smith retrospective today. We're ending our first season with 30 episodes. Last four are going to be Clerks, Mall Rats, Chasing Amy, Dogma. So we're going to be talking about the movies of Kevin Smith. And I wanted to, well, what prompted me to do this is that I mentioned Kevin Smith in our Star Wars Revenge of the Sith episode. And a friend of mine reached out and said that I was a little harsh on Kevin Smith. Um, that I should take a look at his stuff, see what I think, see how it's aged. Uh, and so I did that. I went back and I watched a lot of Kevin Smith movies. I had to stop at a point, but I went back and I watched them and I realized that Kevin Smith has been crazy influential in my life. Um, in both good and bad ways. He had a way of like shaping my psyche as a young child. A lot of jokes that I pulled with my friends I mean, we, we quoted his movies endlessly. And so it was just like this really interesting thing to realize that this filmmaker that you just don't even think about anymore has has so much of an influence on your personal life. So I thought it was interesting to look back at that and talk about it and think about the ways Kevin Smith was influential in his time, the way that it looked like he was just going to be this really huge filmmaker and we just don't hear about him anymore. I'm a person that listens to a lot of podcasts and goes through YouTube videos and just Kevin Smith is not someone you hear about so much anymore. And so I wanted to look at that. Like, why is that? Why is it important anymore? In which ways have his movies aged? What things can we pull from his movies? Um, is Kevin Smith a good writer? Uh, is, well, we know he's you know much less of a good filmmaker than he is a writer. But I wanted to talk about this with some friends. So for this first episode, I sat down with an old friend of mine, Alex. You'll hear all about him during this episode. Um, but I brought him in from Mallrats. I'm talking to Jordan and Mondo from Criterion Cult Podcast. And these are people I grew up with. People who grew up on these movies who probably quoted them like I did. Alex did because we did it together. And I just wanted to get that that personal look and the this introspection of like why this filmmaker meant so much to know men of our age i guess because he's undoubtedly a maker of films for guys which um which has been the through line and a lot of first season for film slob which will change for the second season but i think that's why i wanted to cap off season one with this run is that we've talked about a lot of quote-unquote guy movies things that are like exclusively relatable to men movies that have been made by men mostly white men uh, which is something I'm looking to change. Uh, the second season will not be that. It'll be more organized, more on time, promising really good and big things. I was thinking about maybe tapping out the, after this season, but no. We're going strong, and we're going to come back better than ever. Um, so, thanks for listening. Thanks for everyone who has listened to every episode. We appreciate you. We love you. I hope you enjoy this episode. Yeah, so had it been a while? I, I realized a lot more about it. It was kind of stewing in me, so we'll just go with that. <laughs> so how long had it been? Since I'd seen it? Yeah. Uh, I want to see... Maybe like five, six years. 
Oh. And even I think even then it was just kind of a, a movie that I put on as like a, a comfort. It's probably like a hungover day where I was like, I'll watch Clerks. It's low lit. There's no color. It doesn't. It doesn't uh, hurt my eyes. And it's just kind of quiet and, <laughs> and you know, goofy enough. You can smoke weed to it. <laughs> so. Did it uh, change since you saw it five years ago to watching it last night? It has a completely different meaning now. For yeah. me, as just it, it hit a lot of personal, <laughs> a lot of personal <laughs> things, and I didn't expect that. And so, yeah, we'll get into it. Uh, yeah, well, I already hit record, so we can start now. I'm gonna do. Oh, okay. I'm gonna do the, the intro. Part. I'm gonna do the intro separately. It was, but we can just. Okay. Let's just fucking do it. Um, All right, let's fucking do it. Yeah. So you came to this movie. How old were you? Uh, how old was I? We were together. Um, we not were together, together, but we, we were living together. Uh, yeah, so we, I was about 14, 15. Yeah. I think that was, I think that was toward, I think it was like the 10th anniversary, whatever the, ten, like 2004. That big black box set, right? The X, Clerks X, yeah. Clerks X, yeah. Um, I remember uh, going through that with you in very great depth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for everybody listening, uh, this is Alex Alcido, old friend, yeah. brother. Um, Alex, introduce yourself. What would you like to say about yourself? Uh, hi, I'm Alex. I'm an alcoholic. No, wrong meeting. Um <laughs> Uh, I am a, a musician of note. Uh, I am I am a songwriter, uh, occasional attempted comedian, and, and joke attempter. Um, I guess future podcast host. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Uh, <laughs> or always a podcast guest, never a podcast ghost or host. Ghost. Damn it! Um, <laughs> it's a position that I prefer. Anytime I've guested, it's like it's so a, it's good. It's good. Can we can we just talk for a second how uh, Podcast Ghost is actually a really good band name? <laughs> it Along works. With fuck it, your Yankee blue jeans. <laughs> forgot that name. I forgot how fucking good it is. Yeah, oh. that part specifically I think is really funny. <laughs> with Silent Bob's Russian cousin. Uh, mm-hmm. Olaf. Olaf, yeah. Yeah. So Moscow. I don't I don't really remember. Like I don't have a frame of reference. Like I remember watching this a lot. I don't know what drew me to it. I think there's something about like the comfort of it. Like there's also something when you're watching it when you're 13 years old, you're in the state of ignorance because you've never worked a job before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're you're like kind of prepping yourself watching it at this age to hate those things. And, yeah, and you're getting to just talk shit to everybody and be a fucking uh, troll. Essentially. Yeah. That's what well, Randall was. Randall was like a pre-internet troll, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think there's definitely um, something to be said about how Kevin Smith is the filmmaker of like the incel in the in this day and age. You know. Oh yeah. I wrote down. I wrote down for Randall when he came up. Um, what did it? What did it say? Oh yeah. Totally might have stormed the Capitol. <laughs> He's just yeah. He's the kind of guy that's just asking questions. You know. <laughs> yeah. You know, he, he, he bought some some black market ivermectin off off of somebody once or twice at least. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about when uh, just kind of going over this Kevin Smith retrospective is the influence Kevin Smith had on men of our age, particularly, right? Um, and why that just doesn't seem relevant anymore. And I'm wondering if you can recall like any of the thoughts like you first formed around this movie. Like, I I know. Like it was influential. I think you're an interesting person to talk about this with because you're not a person who's like kept a regular job. You kind of like, Never. yeah, <laughs> you kind of like chased your thing. You know what I mean? Which is yeah. something this movie 
I mean, that's going on in the background, obviously, because Kevin Smith is a guy who like put this whole thing together, really chasing his dreams. But that's not what this movie is about. And it's about the fear of like getting caught in that establishment of like hating your life every day. I mean, the lead, the lead character's name is Dante climbing out of this hell, you know. Um, yeah. So the tragic put upon the victim, like, you know. Yeah. Do you think do you think this movie had like a, a piece of that? Like, do you think that Kevin Smith kind of like help you build that 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 thing or was that always in you to just chase what you wanted and avoid avoid this hell avoid the, the <laughs> nine to five hell I yeah think, i think uh, subconsciously from back in the day when we were really into that in that kevin smith era of everything he did everything he did had some kind of uh, personal meaning um, yeah he, I think he subconsciously inspired me in, in the sense that like he knew he was taking a gamble. Actually, I watched a clip of him last night being interviewed talking about, uh, they asked him, like, what were you going to do if um, you weren't a hit at Sundance and if the Weinstein company didn't back you? And he's like, well, there's never a other plan. Like, well, we were going to like submit it to this, uh, this, uh, this festival if, and, you know, it was yeah. going to eventually get picked up for something. So it was, he had his, he always had his eyes on the prize and, uh, it was just, he had this mindset of, which can be very dangerous of like, Oh, it's going to work out. Why wouldn't it work out? You know? And that is, uh, it's, it's frightening, you know? Uh, and so I think I took a lot of that with me, just the, the idea of like, you only get this once and you got to like, you got to try. And even if you don't get to where you thought you would be like, just like the journey is, yeah. is worth it. You know? So I've been, you know, for, for context, I have uh, been a traveling musician for almost 13, 14 years yeah. um, to the point where I, you know, I don't have a, like a steady home life a lot. And yeah. you know, when I do have a steady home life, I don't, I, I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't made for nine to five hell. <laughs> yeah. I was, I didn't want to, I didn't want to uh, submit to that. I wanted to, you know, do what I love and have fun. And, you know, I think also just Kevin Smith is just a very positive, inspiring person, almost to like to an annoyance, but uh just because, I don't know. I'm I'm too I'm too cynical, uh, but I, I'm trying to change that. You mean and, uh, through his films, or even to this day as a person? As a person, you yeah. know, like I'm. I wouldn't say his positivity is like the toxic positivity, but it's just very. Uh, you know, if I were to listen to any uh, uh, motivational speaker, it would be him. You know, I'm not really a Tony Robbins guy, but I'll be a Kevin Smith guy. Yeah, I think I spent a few years shitting on him, and that's why I wanted to talk about him, give him like a, a fair shot because. Yes, his films have inspired me, and yes, I, I was a fan for a long time. I'm still am to a certain extent, especially revisiting them. Right. Um, but one thing I did find, especially like listening to podcasts now, because he does a lot of podcasts, is that I'm like still yeah. a fool for his charms. Like his charisma oh, yeah. is like infectious, and like I'm I'm into it. Yeah. If I if like if I met him, I would want to like hang out for like three hours and just pick his brain and stuff. And he would he would probably be into it. Like that's the other thing. He loves to just talk. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's a it's a it's a fucking skill. I was watching some of his uh, um, the old evening with Kevin Smith. Yeah. Films, <laughs> which are just essentially like four hour stand up shows. Yeah. It's funny to me. A lot of uh, which I know by heart, you know, <laughs> yeah. like the Prince story and yeah, like that whole thing. And, um, but yeah, no, I think I, I took a lot of that with me. And yeah. uh, also there's just that whole um, you don't know anything else except the thing that you love. And, yeah. You know, some people choose to, you know, do things to supplement your, your desires and your, and your dreams, but then you just want to just do the thing. You just learn by doing. Yeah. Um, and it's hard and it's, uh, it's taxing on your mind and spirit, but you know, you're still, yeah, I, you're I still think taking the gamble and you're still living, living your dream. You know, it's still, um, I think we take that for granted sometimes, yeah. I think, which is a lot of what I saw unfortunately in me and Dante <laughs> is that he's so <laughs> fucking, he would rather just 
you know, have his corner and have his, his spot and, you know, and just have things be simple and, you know, have the easy girlfriend and, yeah. you know, not rock the boat and just, you know, stay in the same place forever. And like, like he said, the, you know, just shit his pants. <laughs> that scene where he's like, you know, my potty, my potty seat wasn't lifted. So instead of lifting it, I just shit my pants. It's like, wow, this is some of the saddest thing. I didn't, it didn't hit me until the last couple of times that I watched this. Like, That's a heavy scene when he says that. I mean, somebody yeah. who's just kind of complacent and not willing to help themselves. Um, yeah, he's just a child. He's just, just leave me alone. Like, just yeah. go to the video store. Yeah. Which, and I feel like that a lot, you know? Um, and so, yeah, a lot, a lot of that resonated with me. And this, you know, the whole, uh, yeah, I'm not supposed to be here today. I, we, I think we've all had those fucking days, but I think you only get to say it like once or twice. I think he said it about six times, each time getting higher and higher in volume. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Kevin Smith is the, well, maybe not so much anymore, but in this time, in his first four films especially, he's kind of the champion of the, like, the self-pitying man-child. Yeah, and I think that was, a, that's another thing I noticed, like for uh, Randall and and uh, Brody and, and Jay himself, there's all these like uh, really kind of heavy male characters with like underlining tones of latent homosexuality or latent like just, or like a, a unwillingness to be vulnerable yeah. and, and gentle with themselves, you know, yeah. so it's always, uh, you know, especially Randall, who's just pure fucking chaos but also kind of like cold like logical like a vulcan logic there's something Dude. going on with randall in this movie it's really strange just his behaviors there it's he's like kind of sociopathic oh, um, yeah. i was listening to a podcast with the criterion cult guys and they're talking about clerks and they were talking Our about boys. yeah exactly hi um they were talking about how randall kind of has like intimacy issues and he kind of expresses it in these weird ways where he has to watch porn of like intersex people and stuff like that or in he's public just, in, a, in, a, in a public store yeah yeah <laughs> at, the, at the counter it's amazing <laughs> it, it's just pure chaos and he's kind of like a really troubled character and it's just he's a joker he, he just he's a joker. he just happens to get the best jokes in the movie i think kevin smith wanted to play him originally because he has all the best jokes mm-hmm um, and he realized he couldn't, he didn't want to act and have all those. He's like, there's a lot of lines in here. There's yeah. Well. I, I think part of Kevin Smith being the champion of that man boy has become what, part of what's like problematic about this, especially yeah. because I think it turns from movie one to movie two from clerks to mall rats. There's essentially like a, a different viewing of what that character means to the director, because I don't think like Dante's really like the champion of this movie. Um, no. Yeah, what what are your thoughts about that? Like, how is Dante like played in this movie, and like, has that changed? Like, it's certainly changed in my view of like what Dante meant to me from him then and now. And like, well, I used to pity him. I used to be on his side. I thought like, oh, he doesn't deserve all this. But it's, yeah. I don't know. It's more like a the fact that it's in black and white makes it even more like a like a silent film with sound. It's very slapstick. <laughs> it's just like a sad like Buster Keaton movie where just it's like cartoonishly like tragic. All these different things and people that you know come into his you know in just come his way mm-hmm. just the most ridiculous people the most ridiculous situations uh and he just like just takes it in good faith and yeah. or just yeah. kind of takes it like kind of just a sad clown um essentially with a rain cloud following him <laughs> yeah pretty much like yeah the truman show cloud uh it, as for the the man child stuff i think these days i think generationally i think uh you know kevin Smith walked so like Judd up the Judd Apatow's could run, mm. and then essentially that leads into the hangovers and the you know just like the, the bro comedies and yeah. like, 
uh, which, you know, thankfully, like, kind of dealt with more vulnerability than, than the Kevin Smith uh, series of films. Yeah, and ultimately died. Like, I think that movie's dead now, like that type oh, of Oh, yeah, movie. there's no, like, buddy, buddy stoner <laughs> movie really anymore. That died, like, it's weird. It was only, like, six years ago, I think. Like, what was it? Pineapple Express was one of the last films? Yeah. Uh, well, we just nobody wants to hear that story anymore. Which is, yeah. <laughs> which I think is one of the things that has aged not as well for Kevin Smith, but... An interesting thing for me is that there's like, there are homophobia, homophobic remarks in this movie. Yeah. Like a ton. And it's like a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is, uh, yes, as age poorly. Um, but there is an interesting through line in Kevin Smith about sexuality and like latent homosexuality. And, yeah. and it might seem like it's playing for a joke, but I think Kevin Smith is actually, actually asking questions about like sexuality and what it means. And that truly comes to fruition in chasing Amy. Like he's very like sex positive, and I think that's like kind of groundbreaking for 1990. Sex positive for the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that can be like. Still, a, it was still, yeah, it was still, you know, coming up, I think. Yeah. That can be undersold how like important and how interesting that was to people and like what an intention getter that was to like talk about sex in such open ways. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, and yes, not it's so special occasions. <laughs> that's for you chasing amy fans out there shout out to chasing amy shout out to ben affleck <laughs> uh, are those like some of the biggest things that dawned on you and rewatching it yesterday about dante like uh, my review of this movie uh, on letterboxd because i use letterboxd uh i was really just thinking about like what what these characters mean to me and like how how growing up i thought i was a randall and in retrospect, I was like, fuck, I've been a Dante this whole time. The whole time, yeah. I wanted to be, yeah. I definitely, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, who your favorite Beatle is at one time in your life. I think at first I was a John guy. Yeah. Because he was just very, like, you know, he's very um, cheeky and an asshole. But then you realize he's John Lennon is. Sorry, yeah. it's Beatles fans. And then, and then eventually you go into like, oh, George is the guy. And then now I'm a, in a Paul phase. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And I think I'm going to stay in the Paul phase for a little bit. Uh, yeah, I think I definitely, I, I, I loved Randall as a character. Uh, I didn't realize how fucking like poisonous he was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I've been just rewatching it and seeing Dante's, um, how he just reacts to just the world around him and like different sorts of trauma and how he like is just leaving it so unchecked. I, I definitely have been a Dante the whole time. And it's very, I was, I was kind of mad. I was kind of mad the last few days because I was like, Oh shit, I'm Dante. <laughs> well, and then also because he like the thing about like he wanted he he's kind of a guy that wants the past. He wants to patch up the past. Yeah. He wants to, he wants the everything in the past to kind of get undone by what he does. Like that's why he wants Caitlin. That's why he wants things to work out with Caitlin. And that's why at the end of the movie, spoiler alert, she fucks a dead guy. Um <laughs> at the end of the movie, he's like, No, I'll never be with Caitlin. I, like my chances are just shot. And like I think what I because he can't be with Caitlin now, like all those things that happened to them can never be undone, even though they can't be undone anyway. Like, you know, I think certain people, you just spend your life trying to undo your childhood. Yeah. And I think Dante is that kind of fella. Um, but up to a point, you know, he doesn't want to rock the boat. He doesn't want to like, you know, shake his station in life. He wants to hold on to the job, even though he much, uh, much he fucking hates it. Um, yeah. A lot of that resonated with me, just kind of the self pitying, like, uh, you know, man child yeah i mean he is he is why can i get a girl essentially like trying to get back to caitlin is like him trying to claw his way back to like what's more comfortable because um the girl who's the who's the second veronica veronica so veronica is like really challenging to him and 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 like 
and talks a lot about like how he should be doing more for himself. And that's like making him uncomfortable and, you know, upset. And so like him trying to return back to Caitlin is like really upsetting because one, he's trying to claw back to comfort, but he actually needs to make an effort to do it. So it's like yeah. kind of the paradox in his head is like, this is the more comfortable spot, but like it actually, it's going to take effort. And like, if I'm going to work for one thing. I have to work for one thing. What's it going to be? Is it going to be the comfort or is it going to be to like get out of my comfort zone and challenge myself and enact change and, you know, be responsible for my, for my lot and for my station in life, essentially. Yeah. Which he- and then yeah, so go on, sorry. Um, no, 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 no. I, I was just saying, he just, he, I don't think he, like, takes responsibility even in the end, yeah. um, which, you know, eventually leads to Clerks 2, which is something else entirely. Um, yeah, I need to rewatch that now because I feel like when I, when I watched it the other day, I was like, okay, I definitely like Clerks 2 more, or at least, like, I don't know, I think maybe that just has to do with, like, better budget, better acting, you know. Uh, is but, it though? <laughs> well, no, well, that's why, because I haven't seen that either in, in years. I'm, yeah. I'm much like with a lot of film, I am a lapsed Kevin Smith fan, not because, I, I don't know, I just fell off. There's just so much um, content and art out there that it's just kind of hard to keep up. I did watch Tusk a few years ago, and I did like it more than I thought I would. <laughs> I really enjoyed Tusk, actually. I haven't seen uh, uh, Yoga Hosers, yeah. um, or I don't, I think Moose Jaws hasn't come out yet. I heard something about something called Moose Jaws. Yeah, I haven't but seen I, anything since Red State, honestly. I haven't seen Red State. I've heard it was really, really uh, a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful film. Um, Michael Parks is in that, right? Yeah. The, no, there's just a bunch of good actors. I mean, I remember liking it okay. It's been kind of way too long. Yeah. The grit- I haven't seen the reboot either, the Jay and Silent Bob reboot. It didn't really, I didn't, it felt like it was just going to be strike back, but everybody's older. <laughs> it's yeah. It's I mean, essentially, that's what I thought, so I skipped it. I heard Kevin Smith was, like, making an argument that uh, Jan Silent Bob reboot uh, should be in the Criterion Collection or something. Like, he feels really confident about that. I don't know if he was joking or anything. You know what? That's, again, he believes in himself, and that's a, that's a, that's a strong, you know, it's... It's better to have it than not have it. <laughs> what do you think that about the, ability. like the quality and craft of clerks? Like, do you think that aspect holds up? Like, I know it's an important movie because he is like a small filmmaker. He's doing something really big. Um, I mean, for, for a movement, you know what I mean? Like as far as small budget movies I think, go. I think it's shot beautifully. I think it's very like beautifully lit in, in certain aspects. Yeah. Uh, I think the, the, you know, like I think it's edited very well. I like there's just other things about it. I think I told you the other day when I first, when I saw it the first time, it like going back to it after these many years, you feel like you're watching a, a small town play. Yeah. Uh, where, you know, nobody there is really acting or they're like, they maybe acting as a hobby or they're like, you know, small town, you know, like small city actors, like regional actors and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and they're all given their best. And that's what makes it so fun. Like, even if the acting's not great, everybody's invested and they're just trying their best. Like, like the guy in the, in the scene right before the hockey game, where he's mm-hmm. trying to get the Gatorade and he's just kind of <laughs> spitting all those lines out, but he's like really doing his best. Like, and actually it's one of my favorite, uh, favorite lines of the movie. And I need somebody to tell us, tell this to me in the, um, in the mirror sometime, or I need to tell myself this. In the mirror. You're living in denial and suppressing rage, motherfucker. <laughs> I just thought that was just perfectly executed. Even for how kind of like cannonball he shot those lines. It was very, um, I don't know. I still enjoyed it. Again, it's, it's fun. It's like watching your friends and neighbors just kind of get together and put on this, this play. It kind of reminded me of like the process of uh, the play and waiting for Guffman. Yeah. 
you're just seeing all these just people that, you know, don't have really any place in, in Hollywood or entertainment or any kind of, or, you know, big time entertainment, but they're all just having fun and doing their best. There's something about like the limitations he had with budget and acting and stuff like that. And this energy as like a youth and a fresh filmmaker, I think that kind of really comes together pretty perfectly here. There's a grittiness to the film that hides a lot of flaws that, you know, you might find in his writing. Cause I think that becomes more clear when he gets a bigger budget for his second film. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of like, it comes to like this perfect little place in this movie. Cause I think it's actually written pretty well. Um, some of the conversations like, they really make a lot of sense and they, they have emotional weight. I, I, my favorite conversation is the fi- in the film is when like Dante's laying on the freezer and Randall's sitting right next to him. Ah, that's all bullshit, man. You know what the real problem here is? I was born. You should shit or get off the pot. I should shit or get off the pot. Yeah, you should shit or get off the pot. What the hell are you talking about? I'm talking about this thing you have, this inability to improve your station in life. Fuck you. It's true, man. You sit there and blame life for dealing your cruddy hand. Never once accepting responsibility for the way your situation is. What responsibility? All right, if you hate this job and the people and the fact that you have to come in on your day off, then why don't you quit? Oh, like it's that easy. It is. You just up and quit. There's other jobs. They pay better money. You're bound to be qualified for at least one of them. Yeah, that's my favorite. Yeah, right after the right after the incident. Yeah, and he really just like puts this shit in his face. Like you could tell that this is a conversation that like Randall's been waiting to have with him, where like call him out on his shit. Where Randall like, kind of doing it all day, but in a, in a very like let the past be the past, man. Just kind of in like a very help, helpful, friendly way. Just kind of very calm and cool and collected, and then it just kind of builds over over the course of that day. Yeah, as, like as Dante keeps kind of becoming like a low, like a hypocrite. It's like go go open the store. It's like, and then he's gonna go close the store to do to play hockey, and then go to a wake. And just like, <laughs> yeah, he's very selective about his uh, moral high ground and you know his station in life. <laughs> yeah but yeah no they did they, they did a lot of things like one of the things i noticed is like uh, uh, uh walt flanagan playing a couple different characters mm-hmm. uh, scott Mosier. uh he was uh the first willem black before uh ethan suppley i believe uh and then for the hockey game he he becomes what i call hot Mosier because he was actually looking very, very he was snappish. he was a good looking dude yeah he's very good looking yeah uh, <laughs> That that whole part where he went up the ladder and is just kind of heckling him. I don't know. For some reason, it reminded me of like Bottle Rocket. I don't know why. It was just the way it was shot. Yeah. And just uh, I don't know. I guess Mosher kind of had also like a, a a Wilson type charm to him. I can see that. But the hair and this the he kind of had like a hot Sears dad look going on. So yeah, he kind of has the voice of Andrew Wilson, like that coachish <laughs> yeah. voice going on. Don't pass this guy. He sucks. You suck. <laughs> That's a great heckle. I love. I think uh, like a little league dad. It's like little league dad heckling. Yeah. <laughs> what, what I've noticed about Kevin Spence writing is he has like this penchant for, for immediate, like a uh, self-reference. Like he sets up these jokes to be referenced like throughout the movie. Um, mm-hmm. The big one here is like 37 dicks in a row. 37. My girlfriend sucked 37 dicks in a row. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's like happening in the microcosm throughout his movies where he, he'll set up a joke and it comes back over and over again. And yeah. I think over the course. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think over the course of his first four movies, like he just resigns to, to like, oh, I created this universe. I'm just going to like come back and like reference all of this with Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back. Yeah, it's, <laughs> like, Kurt, it's Kurt Vonnegut disease. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Most definitely. Where, yeah. It's like, oh, you're like seven. You're like, oh, the. Here's a character from a book from seven years ago in a different galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> There's that, but he's kind of like really interested in creating his own 
universe uh and i think that comes from like his his history of the comic books and like how that really happens like he's doing a lot of things that you see happening in movies now which i think is really interesting because he has fallen, he has fallen off. Like he's not in the zeitgeist. Like people don't talk to him, talk about him. Like, yes, he has like his own thing going on. Like he very much has like a fan base and stuff like that. But it's become so much more niche. Like it's a labor of love for sure. It's it's not for anybody else except for himself and the people that are are, are down to take the ride. You know, he's very um, like in terms of Hollywood, he's become more of like a uh, like a. I mean, I, I don't want to be offensive or anything, but like a Hollywood squares type of celebrity where he's, he's around and you remember him from these things back in the nineties. Yeah. You know, uh, I think his that level of, of fame, but like he doesn't you know, like in wrestling, I'm also a lapsed wrestling fan. Like some wrestlers are so good <laughs> that you don't need a title. You don't need the strap, but you know, you just kind of rely, you're just thriving on your own personality. And uh-huh. you bring, so, you know, I think like, what's an example of that? How do you mean? Uh, you know, Jake the Snake Roberts never held a a, a world title or anything. I think yeah. he may have been Intercontinental Champion, but you never get like the big the big belt. But even then, he never needed it. Like he was always selling. He was always over with everybody. People just love him. Yeah, for, for one for run one reason or another, whether it be personality, physicality, a mix of both. Um, I think a big part of the of where he is as a with his universe and the callbacks is that also he has a he has a really good. Um, he is skilled as a comic. It's weird because he's not a comic by any means. I think I've, I've never heard anybody consider what he did in those, in those, in that series of movies as like stand up comedy. It was more of like storytelling, but like he had the, these crowds in the palm of his hand and like always full of callbacks. And you see that in all of his movies. Yeah. So I think, you know, that's just a testament to his gift as a comic, an accidental comic. Maybe uh, uh, take out that Hollywood Squares part. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't like that. I, I could have found a better way to say that. No, it's 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 fine. I mean, I think people know what you mean. Yeah. Well, no. It's just yeah. How do you explain to this generation like who's like I was thinking like they're they're gonna be generations of parents soon that are gonna they show their kids like the movies from their childhood and like this for some weird family is gonna be one of them. <laughs> It's going to be, I don't know about that. Like what's, what's to learn from these movies. You know what I mean? I think they have, there's really interesting seeds to ideas in these movies, but I think there's just like so much more bad in that. There's more, I mean, no, the only thing you really learn is just who your parents were. Yeah, yeah. I used to watch this kid when I I used to watch this movie when I was a kid. Like, I think the two most interesting aspects of Kevin Smith or maybe three is like relationships, sexuality, and religion. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think he just has like a really interesting view of relationships, especially in, in, in Clerks. Uh, I'm not really sure what Kevin Smith's idea of like what a good relationship is or or like what he aspires to in a relationship because he yeah. see, like he does champion the man boy uh, not so much in this movie like i think the movie has pity for dante but like dante's not like trying very hard but in Mallrats, like the like the pieces of shit get the girls like they win them in a game show it's like pretty bizarre like it, yeah it kind of shows you where his heart is like it's so like just following the arc of that kind of leads me to believe like was it an accident that this movie that that clerks is not like painting these guys in like such a a kindly light you know what i mean like is it an accident that we like we think that they're not great like does kevin smith think dante and randall are like like something to aspire to (laughs) no i mean i think they're just kind of two different sides of the slacker coin Uh uh-huh i think one that's just that like is just kind of 
kind of like a joker type of slacker who doesn't give a fuck. You know, he doesn't think his title dictates his behavior. He's like, people dictate their own behavior. So he's very much like an independent, you know, thinker in his own right, which yeah. could be very dangerous in 2020, you know, two context. Yeah. Because <laughs> again, again, Randall probably probably might have stormed the Capitol or at least would have, if not even for political reasons, just cause it's, it sounded fun, you know? Um, yeah. If only cause it was contrarian or something. Yeah. Like, I think that's like the sickness that people have is like, you know, just because you have different information makes it like special or something. You know? Yeah. I know something you don't. Yeah. No, it's, 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 um, I think they're just, I think he painted them as just two different sides of the sla- of one, of one, slacker entity yeah and how they how they take uh you know whatever comes to them yeah which is not something to be undersold is that like that being a slacker and like uh being contrarian to like what people were doing uh not being bought out or like like selling out was such a big thing for generation xers you know like it, quintessential it, generation <laughs> x kind of just yeah <laughs> like, it's beautiful you know i mean it's beautiful in a way it just doesn't age well like in that's not like a it's not a good look now you know what i mean like nobody hmm. Beautiful for the time, for the time, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and and I and I think that's like maybe why like these movies haven't like they're not in the pantheon of like classics or like are they for you? Like, do you think these movies like need to be remembered or or, or like how do you feel about that? Like, where is Kevin well, Smith in like in the history of movies in your head? I was I started doing a little. I forgot that this movie is in the Library of Congress. It already has like oh, wow. historical, aesthetic, artistic like significance. Yeah. And, you know, in there, there's a line. It's like, oh, no, no, give me the other one. They got bigger titties in there, you know? <laughs> they draw some of the biggest titties you've ever seen in there. You know, that movie is in the fucking Library of Congress somehow, you know? I don't know. I think they're just more indicative of, of a time that we... It's really just for Gen X and Gen X adjacent. I mean, mm-hmm. it's really like a, uh, like a cult. It became kind of just a cult following. And I think it's kind of where... It, I think it thrives better there. Mm-hmm. I think I think these movies are like your uncle who like he's cool enough and he smokes weed and you know he's not totally in re- into religion <laughs> or he is but like you know he likes to dissect it but then also occasionally he uses the R word <laughs> or he'll misgender you or something and it's kind of awkward but you know that he's coming from a good place yeah he was a um, lot of fun when you were a kid. Yeah, you know, <laughs> let you read his Playboys and shit like that. And you know that that was probably not a good good decision at the yeah. time, but you know, now he looks a little not, tired. You know, he's not, you know, like I don't think any of some of it doesn't age well, um, but I don't think any of it's like cancelable or or um, you can never do that again. No, because it seems you like never so do much any of it again. Really, like it seems so much like from a, a perspective of a kid, and like I mean, most of all, like these these dudes are like harmless. And I, I I don't want to say that they mean well, but like, I mean, I think part of the movie is like them just like not knowing any better in ignorance. And uh, I think there's like a really interesting, like not partaking in capitalism portion of like what's going on in Kevin Smith movies. But I think that's just kind of an offshoot of the time and the movies that people were making yeah. and like the ideas in the air at the time. Like, I don't think that his movies are essentially about like not taking part in like a capitalistic you know, a uh, landscape or something, you know, uh, I, I think, I think that's just like a, a, something that could be taken in retrospect. I don't think he's really writing about that stuff. What, what do you think about that? Uh, I think that's a good point. Um, I didn't think about that from that point. Uh, I think there's a, I think there's, it, it, it adds to Dante's old thing of uh, being the, the tragic put upon victim or, you know, he's, you know, no one's, 
again, like, like, you know, like Randall said, like, no one's twisting your arm to be here. You're out of yeah. your, on your, on your own volition. And he's like, but he's, you know, a slave to the capitalist machine. So it's just another thing. I, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's writing about that, but I think it's a factor in that. Like it helps that character just kind of sink further into the, the, the pity party, the, what was me of it's like, I'm, you know, I'm just here. Like, I'm just part of it. I can't really get out. You know, I'm, I'm stuck. <laughs> just shitting his pants you know yeah one thing i did notice which was pretty interesting to me this time is like kevin smith's like grudge with like education which is like a recurring theme yeah the, the guidance counselor bit didn't really hit me as well yeah like, i think that was supposed to be i think when we were younger it was probably a, a punchline because we were still in high school and i fucking hated my guidance counselor yeah gu- guidance them. counselors are like notoriously bad yeah you know so i think back then it probably hit a little different i don't know it just it, it just it wasn't not funny. Yeah. Like I didn't, I don't, I'm not siding with guidance counselors on by any means, but it's just like, Oh, I could have put, I could have done any profession that eats away at your soul. Yeah. But I feel like because, Kevin Smith has the like education a, system, which is fine. I feel like he has a chip on his shoulder where he's trying to prove like, you don't need to go to school to like be smart. Like so much so that he like each, each like chapter essentially of this movie is like, it's like started off by like a vocabulary word. Yeah, giant, yeah, $10 word. And I think that's where Dante is like, I don't like, he doesn't want to go back to school because I think maybe he thinks going back to school is admitting that he's, that he needs help or that he's failing or that like the, that his life isn't going the way that he wanted. And I think he doesn't want to have to deal with that. So yeah, I think there's that anti-education, the anti, you know, bettering yourself mentality. Yeah. Well, I think that's a lot of why he writes the dialogue, like he, the way he does, like he's trying to say like, Oh, like the uneducated people can be smart too, or something like that, you know, which is yes, true. But it seems like he has like a really big chip on his shoulder. Like, like Dante Ben Affleck wrote, wrote Goodwill Goodwill Hunting as an answer to clerks. Yeah. I mean, that could be like a a seed for that for sure. Like you see it in his characters, like they, 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 they talk in this like elevated dialogue and like this really quippy way, you know, and, and all this talk about like going to school in this movie it's like over and over again. Like it seems that that like he has such like a binary way of thinking about like what's successful and what is successful. You know, like either your character goes to school and is like a jackass, or they're like they they're cool and they don't go to school and they're really laid back and they have interesting things to say. You know, <laughs> or they marry an Asian uh, uh, design major. <laughs> yeah, see, that's the thing. Like the headline in the paper, like that marriage. Uh, uh, announcement like why do they mention like his major like that's not a thing that would happen in so, life. I, had a few, I had a few issues with that i forgot that it was caitlin's mother that uh, fed that story to the paper but even then like how rich I, like are they rich are they is, is that a thing like why do people care <laughs> like, why, is it, why is it a point in the in the newspaper um so yeah that, that part confused me a little bit i mean it, i mean they explained it but it was also like you could have explained that better, <laughs> but yeah, I know there's these uh, weird different ideas of uh, what you could be. And I think just wanting th- th- that stubborn, like, I wouldn't even call it just a Gen X. I think it's just being in your twenties uh, where you just want to find success and find your own way yourself and, you know, not admit that you need help or you need assistance. Yeah. Guidance. Which is interesting. But I, I think there's also like this, maybe this is me just like projecting, but like, in your early twenties, you just imagine that no matter what you're doing, like it's all going to work out, you know? Yeah. Again, well, again, back to what Kevin Smith said about, uh, his, his, uh, his B plan or C plan is like, well, we were always going to try to get it sold. Like they didn't really have a 
plan B. We always just thought it was going to work out. Like, why wouldn't it work out? Yeah. Like, and that's him in his 20s. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that too. Cause you know, you just, you still invincible at that time. You're still a kid. Yeah. Despite what the law says, you're still very much, uh, you know, coming in, into your own as a, as an adult. Yeah. And you, like you said before, it's like a dangerous thing to put like that many eggs in one basket. And like, that's those flip side you don't see is that like, there is many people who like put so much on the line like, to like give it all and fall fat on their faces and end up in like debt and miserable and depressed. But that's obviously what, that's, that's how, that's what leads you to be on the floor of a convenience store, making sure that all the eggs that you get are the perfect <laughs> eggs. Everyone has to be just so people don't have standards anymore. <laughs> but like, obviously you don't hear those stories because you know, nobody wants to hear from un- unsuccessful people. <laughs> I put it all on the line and I fucking lost. <laughs> Welcome to Applebee's. <laughs> so, what are the things that have held up really well for you? Like, what was really getting you last night when you rewatched this? Uh, the Empire versus Jedi uh, thing still still fucking resonates. That never... That seems to be the point of reference for so many people, because I... It never changes. It's just yeah. very true. It's just that, I, I think I, I wrote it down, too. It just said, like, this still tracks. They're stormtroopers, dignitaries, Imperials. Basically. So when they blew it up, no problem. Evil's punished. And the second time around? The second time around, it wasn't even done being built yet. It was still under construction. So? So a construction job of that magnitude would require a hell of a lot more manpower than the Imperial Army had to offer. I bet they brought independent contractors in on that thing. Oh, also feeds into his belief that he needs to be like some kind of tragic hero in his own story. Uh-huh. So, you know, I think Empire makes him feel better that it's just ends on a downer ending because that's all that's what most of his life is. Just a series of downer endings. You know, he yeah. necessarily doesn't want the Muppets. Yeah, it's like a self-fulfilled prophecy kind of lifestyle, you know, where if he has no expectations like he, you know, nothing can be like ruined for him. It's very much like living in that comfort, which is like relatable it's for like a lot that of people. meme with the guy pointing at it's like, oh, you can't do this if you do this. <laughs> I think essentially like it's a movie about depression without like naming it that, you know? Yeah. I know. I used to think it was just about a really wacky day. That's the thing. Like, you know how I viewed it as a, as a younger person, it was just, Oh, it's just this wacky day with this poor guy. And, and, you know, now watching it. Oh yeah. No, it's just about a guy that uh, in, in the wake of just cartoonish calamity, like it's just sad cartoonish calamity. He's just still like, Okay. <laughs> okay. well, it's just kind of Eeyore's his way into you know into little conniption fits and you know, he's just woe is me. It's very much about that, and that's that's where like it read it, it made me mad for like a, a couple of days. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's kind of insufferable at a point. Like, yeah, where I'm, I, like I'm this guy. Nah. <laughs> well, only to a point, you know. But I I very much see like the ways in which. I just want my life to happen and I don't want to take part in it. You know, yes, like, exactly. you, you just want to wake God. up on the day where like everything's complete. <laughs> yeah. You just want to wake up in the green room and say, okay, they're ready for you. Um, yeah. Like you know. I, I just want to sit here and imagine what I would say on like Marin, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. We've all done that. Don't worry. Everyone had some daydreams in the garage before. And then Marin's like, you a Jew. <laughs> Like yes, I am Jewish. Yes, uh, I I don't I don't want to go like in, uh, we're just gonna kind of no do your thing. Wanna, you can mention whatever you want. Like drop it right now. I wanted to ask. I just wanted to jump back to the beginning. Why when we were talking about the first thing I wrote was why was Dante in the closet? Oh my! I was gonna ask you about that. And I was gonna be like, and I wrote latent homosexuality. 
know if that was like a thing he was going for. Uh, that's a thing that I've seen mentioned because uh, I was like looking through critical essays of this movie, and yeah. that's something. There was there was something that somebody wrote out of a college, and the the, the title of the paper was "Falling Out of the Closet: Latent Homosexuality and Clerks." <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Oh my god! Yeah, no, that's what I was like. I never, I can never really fully like what was the night before, and I think. They they kind of covered it. like the night before he was talking to Caitlin on the phone for a few hours, but even then, like, was he talking in the closet? Yeah, maybe. Like, he, he didn't seem like a guy that drinks or like you know he seemed tired at best, but not like hungover. It seemed like I don't know. It was just it, it's always. Kind I of think funny. as a kid, I always assumed like he was partying and hungover, but that's like not what's happening because yeah. he described There's no instance before. of him drinking at, at all. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe there was just like so much on his bed that he decided to sleep in the closet. It kind of just doesn't make sense. It seems like one of those like cutesy, like this is my first movie. Like I'm going to do something. I'm going to start this really funny, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It really feels um, that way. I also thought Dante had a pretty sweet car. I never, I forgot how pretty nice his car is. <laughs> that's, just the, that's just the second thing I wrote down. Um, Veronica is where I learned the word automaton. Yeah. Yes. Which I have used since. And yeah, this is the, yeah, <laughs> I remember you write that down. this movie causing me just to be like such a verbose little asshole, like thinking I knew all the words and like $10 words. Yeah. And it was just like fucking annoying. I remember, <laughs> I remember once I was in like in an art, this like internet MySpace argument with this guy and I sent him this like private message with all these words and he just like laughed and he's like, you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, no. Enjoy your words, that's, little boy. That's not supposed to be the response. <laughs> You're supposed to be wounded. You're supposed to be wounded by my verbiage. Uh, just random things. Uh, they did the the the, the first uh, big act of the that opens up the chasing or the the viewers universe is the death, the chasing Amy death that leads to the wake. Yeah. Uh, and I thought I never thought about it, but um, she was one of the twelve uh, that Dante had slept with. Mm. And, uh, it's very foretell. It's like foreshadowing now. They're just uh, Randall is. You had sex with a dead person. <laughs> 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 and you didn't really think about the fact. Oh, about it in about forty-five minutes, it's going to come back up. <laughs> I thought that was. I thought that was kind of cute. Um, go on. Sorry. No, no. Go ahead. Do you have more on your list? I had some more some more questions. What the fuck kind of movie is Dental School? <laughs> I, now, is that like a police academy kind of comedy? Or is it like about a ragtag group of people that just go to, I don't know, is it like a horror movie about it? Like like a Dr. Giggles kind of horror movie? But like a I think I always dentist? imagine it as more like police academy. Like people who are yeah. dentists who are fucking around and they're going to be inside your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that's like the tagline for the poster there in your mouth that 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 scene with the where he's naming off all the porn titles that has also just like lost all its gas for me i don't know about you i, know, I was just sitting there and i was just like oh this is going on forever it was like a letter kenny bit and was just like okay sorry to all the letter kenny fans out there i do i do i do appreciate it but it's also like the same four jokes for six years um so you just kind of have to sit there and just kind of let him let him work it out yeah, I mean that used to play so well for me. Is this the is this the part of the podcast where you play that scene? Yeah, I'll play it right here. Okay, I need one each of the following tapes: Whispers in the Wind, To Each His Own, Put It Where It Doesn't Belong, My Pipes Need Cleaning, All Tit Fucking Volume Eight, I Need Your Cock, 
S-worshipping rim jobbers, my cut Nate shafts, come clean, come gargling naked sluts, come buns three, coming in socks, come on Eileen, huge black cocks with pearly white cum, girls who crave cock, girls who crave cunt, metalone two, the KY connection, pink pussy lips, oh yeah, and uh, all holes filled with hard cock. Yep. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, what was that called again? Hilarious. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, also, a big thing, uh, just uh, I miss video stores. This movie made me miss video stores all over again. Um, yeah. I spent at least the first 10 to 15 years um, frequenting video stores in town. and uh, I kind of lament the fact that I never got to work at one. Me too. I, I was when I was a kid. I really wanted to uh, uh, work at the local video store in Pico, uh, the, that used to be right next to the where the Albertsons was. Where the I remember the, the Tommy Burger. Yeah, no, I wanted to. Uh, I, I remember I was like eight years old, and I asked them for a, a job application, and they just gave me a membership application. <laughs> They just like go, just this little creed lady just gave me the, job, the, the for a membership and just said, "Go, leave me alone." That's why I don't work anymore. You know, that's why I don't work jobs. <laughs> Not because I'm an irresponsible person. Um, Rick Darris is a fucking asshole. That's just a random thought. Rick Darris is terrible. I like that yeah, he's in this movie. That, that, that whole scene made me like I. The second time that I watched it, I fucking like ten seconds skipped most of that. Yeah, it was just. Oh, uh, he's just so like you're out of shape. That's, I heard that. That was a grunt. Like it was. Just like, why are you? Why do you need to be this person? That's like the final insult. Like when you're having a shitty day. Like when you're feeling weak or vulnerable. It just takes someone to be like, you're getting fat. Or like, yeah. <laughs> it's just like fuck. And then in front of a cute girl too. It just like then just like you think this guy's fat? <laughs> I don't know. I can't tell. Oh, of course he's fat. It's like it's just yeah. It's it's so bad. And then on top of that, getting a, a five hundred dollar fine for. For serving a five-year-old girl cigarettes. Um, Jay, I really love Jason Mewes in this movie. <laughs> Maybe one of the more problematic characters, but I, I just feel like he's just like has like this energy that works really well <laughs> for the part. I was, yeah, no, like a lot of the things he, most of what he said never aged well at all, but I did love like right when they come into frame in the first, like just the excitement where he's just ready to take on the day. And he's like, let's get some tits and ass. <laughs> now I, I wouldn't scream that out loud, you know, in any other context, but like just yeah. the, the, the happiness and just the, the eagerness to start your day and sell drugs to people. I thought that was very, uh, it was like, I wanted to take some of that energy with me into my days. And then he takes that position so seriously as drug dealer at the end of the movie. He's like, we get a, we both get up the same time every day. We should hang out. I know, he's such a nice dude, you know, even though, for, despite all that other shit, uh, he was kind of trying to be nice. Um, a lot of latent homosexuality in, in him as well. Just, yeah. Uh, it's more like chaotic, though. I think he's just, he just that kind of a weird skeezy dude that just says anything and everything to just get a rise out of people or to make them laugh. Mm -hmm. Go down and you suck you like a circus seal. <laughs> and then all the other stuff that he said, I can't, I can't. Uh, repeat. Yeah. You can't repeat like half of what he says in this movie. No. <laughs> and then it's also like a lot, those, those dudes still exist in our culture. Now I love, I hate guys. I love women, you know? Yeah. That's, that's, that's I think, actually all of, that's all of Reddit. I think. Yeah. I think that's a, essentially like what I, I find like, is like really good about that character. He's like, like he's so like he's such a full character in this movie. He does feel like a guy, and like yes, there are still those guys, but he does feel like a guy that would be selling weed, like in front of a liquor store for sure. Especially in like in a place like that, like 
like I feel like I've known that person before. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think the energy that it brings to movie to this movie can like not be understated. Like, yeah, like he he says a lot of things that like have especially aged poorly, but I'm not sure like they were great at the time either. No, I think well, again, just like Randall is like pre-internet trolls. You know, there's all these different. Even even uh, Hot Mosier was kind of a a troll in his own right because like he got it. He heckled he heckled Dante. He got yeah. up and you know, join their game essentially just to ruin it. Like yeah. just taking full charge at him and like assaulting him and then just getting rid of any kind of, any kind of fun that he could have had. You know, everybody's kind of weird little New Jersey jokers out there. <laughs> um, they're all, they're all, they're, you know, they're all kind of disaffected too. Like kind of nothing, you know, you're in your twenties and like, the world's new and but also nothing matters at the same time. It's just this weird kind of mishmash of different emotions. And you're just kind of like just dealing. Yeah. So you just either be like ineffectual little nothings or you just like, just kind of fuck with people. Yeah. What did I think? Like, like we said, like, it's just like this movie's like completely dealing with depression. I think something that's like really comforting about this movie and makes it a comfort movie for me is that like, he's at work all day and that's like such a real reality for a lot of people where it's just like, that's where you spend so much of your time. And mm. I think like this has happened over and over again since this movie was made. Like you've, you've been there with like your work friends, which, you know, your coworkers or whatever, who always become your friends yeah. typically. And you, you know, someone's always like, this could be a movie. And like, this, essentially that's what it is. And you can tell that every, yeah. every interaction is like, has a seed and like something r- real that happened, you know, we, we tried to do that. You and I, when we, you worked at Starbucks with a few of your uh, old Starbucks friends, I, I remember that we, we wrote a, a horrible, horrible television show called <laughs> the show called smack. Um, that's the other thing we used to write. Uh, uh, we used to try and write movies together. Uh, one of the first instances, uh, I didn't realize this until I moved here to Oregon. Uh, uh, one day we tried writing a movie about, it was just like a, a series of events happening and uh, it would, each scene would get carried on from one person to the other. And it took me moving to Oregon to realize that we wrote the movie slacker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is like pretty I, fantastic. I didn't see that movie till later, but I realized we, that like, we did this <laughs> they did it in the nineties, but we did it Yeah, no, it was nice. like way later. I was kind of happy about that. I was kind of sad, but yeah, like, to be on the same wavelength. I do. I do realize that a lot. Like that was such like a, like a big idea is like, what if like the camera just like kept on following someone else? Like, you know, I was like, Oh wait, like it's been done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty, it was pretty exciting, but it's yeah. also like, fuck, like, I mean, we did come to it completely independently. So points for that. Yeah, no, we did. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's like right now I'm working on a, a series of like videos, uh, performances and stuff around town, or at least it's a brain chat. And I, I've been starting to shoot things and I'm realizing like, oh my God, am I just making the Bo Burnham special? Oh God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, like, yeah. So I'm trying to police myself in that right artistically, but I've definitely, and also like, I think it works with like musicians and comedians are like oh this could be this could be a tv show just us you know hanging out and you know dealing with you know life in whatever industry that we're in you know i think, I think yeah. that crosses everybody's everybody's mind i think it's just the, i mean the yeah and like, like I, can you do you do you want to chase that or yeah. you know do you, i think i think you know there's uh cases and when that can still be successful i think like those shows are like still being made you know there's that show yeah. like Superstore that's on right now, which I don't watch, but that's essentially the idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I started watching a little bit of that. I thought it was I, I, I fell off a little bit. 
Yeah, but the thing is, like, that, I enjoyed what I what I saw. That idea can like still work. Like, there's been times where I'll be working like on you know like a, a, a screenplay or a play or something, um, and then I'll put it down, and then a few years later, like something that was like very similar to what I was writing down, like happens you know like it's something somebody makes something like that like i was watching <laughs> stranger things and like the first scene in the first episode of stranger things was like very similar to a beginning of like this thing i wrote i was writing like five years ago like this whole dnd thing and i was like like fuck like but, <laughs> but but i think uh the shot of you just like opening up the trash can and just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well that's the end of me yeah like and, and no i thought uh, like although i think like it seems like we're coming to these things independently i think it's just like something in the air you know like a, a cultural influence is like happening to several people yeah. all at once and so that's why we're all coming to like these very similar ideas um, I, I feel good i feel good about having other people's ideas afterwards because you know like, as long as i came to it independent yeah <laughs> it makes I you feel something like and i started doing it subconsciously kind of like the bo burnham thing i'd be like yeah oh, it great. makes you feel like you're in, in good company and yeah. um i bring this up because like right. that's a lot of like what's happening in this movie is like this movie was like in good company which like raised it up a little you know as far as like slacker goes and and uh jim jarmusch and and, and things like that yeah, when you're doing, like, again, like, that's why, you know, even though, again, like, some of the acting is very wooden and stiff and just kind of scattershot, like, yeah. everybody there is, everybody there knows everybody for the most part, everybody there is having fun and, like, doing their best, you know? Like, yeah. There's, no, and, there's and, not too much pressure put on it, except for the pressure that Kevin put on himself to make it. And that's really energy that reads here, is that you can tell that these people have, like, a, a rapport, like, they know each other already, and that's why the energy plays so well. Like I think Randall and Dante are actually like pretty good in this. They like it, like I don't think they're bad actors in this at all. No, I definitely am more of a, a Jeff Anderson fella. I'm definitely I like Randall. Like as as far as like performance goes, I think especially for a guy that says he doesn't act. Like, yeah, that was his like first thing, and he did pretty damn well. Like he took a he took a really solid chance on himself to uh, to make that character alive. Yeah, and, yeah. Like who like other than that like like. Who's your favorite like performance, like sh forever short or long, like, like in terms of like acting, like who, like oh, they really like came in and brought it. <laughs> I don't think there's a, a a like a better one than that. Like uh, uh, aside from like Jason Mewes, yeah, who I think like really really brought something to this, uh, who brings an energy to like all his performances, and who has like he's, I mean that was probably just who he was, I imagine. But even then, if you remember the old Kevin Smith uh, uh, the concerts, he, he he talked about having to kind of like poke him in the side to make sure that it, like he got his line, or like to make sure to remind him of his cue, and just, yeah, he had to reassure him, just be you, just do you, do your thing, and just you know let it roll. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, looking back on it now, I think Veronica actually does a really good job in this. You know, like yeah. she has a lot to chew on as far as dialogue, but uh, especially I'm, towards the end. Yeah, I mean, I think she actually does, like, really great in, like, reacting and stuff like that. She does seem, like, really caring. I really do love that scene uh, when she brings him lasagna, which is, like, super sweet. But the way they play off, like, that, like, I, I was so mad at you, but, like, it's like, and I'm coming down now. Like, mm. which, that's kind of, like, a tough balance to play in that scene. And, like, I think she plays it off really well. It seems like she might be, like, one of the only people who's actually an experienced actor. I don't even know if that's true, but it feels like that to me. Yeah, I think, well, again, like, you know, you can tell, like, who are just like people from around town, like yeah. just the random folks that are just like friends of the family and friends of friends. And then you can tell like who's from like out of town, like maybe two towns over that like does regional theater or something. And they came in like the, like the old man, like, Oh, my name's three, my number's three, eight, seven, Wanoski. 
I wanted to rent a movie. I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, he's 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 putting in his time. He's doing it. Like, he probably came in for like a few hours and then just nailed it and left. You know? Yeah. Do you have a favorite like, bit? I, I enjoyed bit? him. Do you have a favorite bit in this movie? Um, let me see. I wrote down a few things. Uh, another thing I wanted to uh, note is it's really funny. Uh, the inter- the intergalactic contractor bit uh, for Jedi. Yeah, I-, I thought it was really funny. That contractor didn't seem too worried about essentially getting his friend killed <laughs> by the mafia. Oh, I guess gave it to a friend of mine. He was shot and killed. Uh, I listen to my I listen to my heart, but you know my friend's dead. Yeah. I thought that was pretty funny. It was just like kind of just shrugged it off. Yeah, that joke plays pretty funny for me now too. About that contractor, how he's talking about morals, or like how you know your morals play into your like listen to your to your heart and not your wallet when it comes to tra- contracting. I thought like the fact that he took that so seriously and that conversation was so serious was like actually really funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed. It. So that's one of my favorite. But uh, I have a favorite line, and it's it's from Randall, or it's that's like. He really wanted to go to the wake, and he's like, but "You hate people." Yeah, I love gatherings. Isn't it ironic? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is yeah, like a, a true thing. I think that's like a true I, thing. Reson- that resonated with me so much. <laughs> so yeah, I think that might be. Uh, I think yeah. I don't know if it's like a bit, but it's definitely my favorite joke. Yeah, it's my favorite like instance of the movie. Yeah, it's really good. I mean, yeah, really good writing. I really like that one too. Yeah, we should wrap this up soon. Uh, okay, well, I have a few other things maybe to... Yeah, I have a few rapid other fire, just give them to me. Rapid fire, the Star Wars sound effects, awful. <laughs> yeah. Oh! <laughs> the Wilhelm scream. Um, what else we got? Uh, Hot Mosier, Sunny Boy, we talked about Sunny Boy. We did. The, yeah, the, uh, uh, I'm not asking video about video the color. Video oh, okay, we, we, I would be remiss if I didn't mention the, uh, the wonderful six-episode animated series. Yes, which we've took. For a- those of you that did not know, there's a wonderful short-lived. It only lasted two episodes on, ne- on network television, but there's yeah. six uh, episodes, and it's just from a way different. Time and we pulled a lot of quotes from that. Yeah, there was this big. I would have came. I would have come <laughs> sooner, but there's this big B. <laughs> or uh, oh, he- hello, Lando. Oh, the- if we <laughs> I rant. <laughs> this movie was filmed uh, during the Waco siege. Oh. If you notice at the beginning, yeah. uh, when he's uh, uh, cutting the string on the papers, it says the children of Waco pray for them. Mm. So you can, you can, you know, it kind of dates itself. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you, have you, uh, how would you rather die? Um, uh, trying to suck your own dick or an embolism in a pool? Sucking my own dick for sure. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Ball is just resting on his lips. <laughs> oh man. All right. What else? Well, yeah. Also, yeah. I think I think a big part of their the relationship with Dante and Randall Randall is that I think he's secretly just jealous of how free Randall is and how much of a fuck he doesn't give at any given time because you can yeah. hear him like right before he leaves, like I know you're I know I'm your hero. Yeah. So there's yeah. also that, and then also just like again like the the closeness where he's like, "You heard him again, I'll kill you." He's like, "You're very protective." While well, he was mine first, <laughs> I think that touched on that kind of Judd Ab, you know, that Judd Apatow bro bromance kind of. Um, yeah, for sure. I, I think that's like a pretty interesting because I think uh, Randall is kind of like Kevin Smith's hero. Like it's like I think this is a projection of who he wants to be. Like he wants mm-hmm. to be like a, a good looking, quick witted uh, nerd, essentially, you know, like that's it's like his, a nerdy. It's like a nerdy fight club without the fighting. Yeah. Like that's really right. his ideal. And we talked about this because I recorded Mallrats before this, but it'll come after. We talked about how uh, he just kind of gets carried away with the idea that like, like that's what 
I think he was like he misunderstood what was successful about this movie, and he just kind of took this Randall character and like that's the hero of Mallrats, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, um, but but it's really interesting to see him like grapple with these ideas and like just his skills as a writer in general, like over the first four films. And uh, I mean, I'll be touching on that. I think I want you. I think you want to come back for Dogma, which we'll we'll do. I would love to come back for Dogma. Yeah, um, yeah, we'll do the whole arc. Um, but I I think yeah, if you watch like the first four movies. Really interesting how he handles that character because it's like Randall is kind of a recurring character in, in a lot of his movies um, and just like struggling to place that character in, a, in the context where it it, uh, it just like makes sense and has like an emotional arc. Um, but you see him struggling with that. It's, it's really interesting, I think. Right. Um, um, but- I would definitely love to come back for Dogma and... Uh- also, I'm calling dibs for Eternal Sunshine for season two. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here. All you right, can, Al. Uh, we're going to wrap this up. You can edit that out. One more question. How many cancer-ridden lungs does that guy have in that bag? <laughs> I'm, we, I'm guessing more than one would be the answer. <laughs> and he also has just stock photos of cancer-ridden lungs, I too. love how he's like, you can keep that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, he has more. He has more. Uh, all, right. all right, all right. Tell the people question. where they can find you, Al. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Memorial Highway. That's Highway HWY. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter for some of my weird, dark um, thoughts uh, at Memorial HWY. Um, I am in a band called The Harmed Brothers. Uh, we are on Spotify. We have an album out. Uh, our most recent album is called Across the Waves. Uh, that came out about two years ago. Two years and two days ago. Or two years and four days ago. Sorry. Um, <laughs> So you can find the Harmed Brothers. It's Harm in Past Tense on Spotify and wherever you get your music. Um, I am currently working on my solo career uh, for a little bit. I've been, uh, I got a record out and a few EPs over at alexsalcido.bandcamp.com. That's alex, S-A-L-C-I-D-O dot bandcamp.com. Uh, I just put out a new EP called Southwestern Plague. All the songs are very sad and I think, uh, I think they're really good. Um, so go, uh, go check that out. I highly recommend Alex, one of the best living songwriters, hands down, compared oh, thank to you, anyone. Uh, so check him out. Alex, thanks for doing this. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I look forward to uh, being back. All right, man. And I love you. I look forward, I look forward to uh, my eventual TV podcast. So I'll talk to you later. <laughs> All right, bro. Bye. Bye, Dante. <laughs> Bye. Bye. I love you. Love you, too. And that was my talk with Alex Salcido about Clerks. I hope you enjoyed that. I love that dude. We grew up together really great guy really good songwriter i swear go check out his music next week we're talking about mall rats with mondo and jordan from the criterion cult podcast i recorded that earlier this week gets a little rambunctious i loved it it was a lot of fun you can follow us on apple Podcasts and spotify Podcasts. leave us likes no leave us comments like our podcast leave us reviews give us notes do all that good stuff interact with us the music you're listening to now was written by Randy Flores, recorded by Randy Flores, all that good stuff. Thanks for listening, everybody. Three more episodes left in the season. We'll see you next time. Hey, so I knew I forgot something. Uh, I forgot to mention the Pringles scene. Uh, if you feel so inclined, you can splice this in. But I was—I wanted to talk about the, the the line. Sometimes you have to just let those hard to reach chips go.
And I'm wondering, well, and it could be nothing. I don't know. It could just be a bit and gag, but like, I don't know. What are the chips? Is it maybe like trying to undo your, your past or, you know, maybe is, is, is Caitlin the chips? It seems like Caitlin's the chips or is happiness the chips or, you know, I don't know. So what are the chips? <laughs> anyway, that was my random thought. I'd, um, yeah, that's the one thing I forgot. So I love you. Bye.